0: Welcome to another episode of the Focus and Bloom podcast. Joining me today is Jeremy Nicolaitis, who is a business coach who was previously a visual effects producer, and he's going to be sharing today his story on how he pivoted his career and now is a business coach to creatives. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Video Marketing for Creators, my very own course where I show you how to put together a plan and a strategy that will help you share your message and give you the confidence you need to show up on video and press record. Visit focusandbloomstudios.com learn video to get started. That's focusandbloomstudios.com slash learn video. Hola, creators. I'm Justinian Bocaneira, founder of Focus and Bloom Studios. I'm a photographer turned marketing strategist who took a leap of faith, moved over 3,000 miles away from home with one camera and one heavy suitcase filled with dreams. If you're a creative soul and dream maker, this podcast is for you. Here I share actionable tips and tactics on marketing, business, and mindset to help you grow and up-level your business with purpose and lots of joy, one action item at a time. Get comfortable and let's get started. This is the Focus and Bloom podcast. Jeremy, welcome to the Focus and Bloom podcast. How are you?
1: I am doing great. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thank you for joining me. Um, I'm very happy that uh, we've got a chance to connect first on Facebook and then uh, chat a little bit before starting the recording and just, just know a little bit about the sto- your story and what you're gonna be sharing with us today. Um, But before we dive into that, can you tell me a little bit about your story?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I have a huge film background, right? So I was born, uh, I'm like third generation film industry. My grandfather worked on I Love Lucy and Beverly Hillbillies. And uh, my dad's still in the business today. I've got aunts and uncles. And um, I grew up saying I was never going to be in the film business. And then, you know, they just, they just... Clawed, clawed me in well, really, I was working as the, the true story is after after school, after like college and stuff, I was working as an illustrator, and I finally you know I had gone to, to um, art school and studied and learned these techniques and, and became a, an illustrator. It was like super exciting and after four months of having this job, I lost it, and the company that I was working for they lost um, their main client, which was Disney. So I was doing a lot of Disney DVD covers and ads and other ads like Tony the Tiger, and the K- Keebler Elves and that kind of stuff. But because a majority of the work went away, and it's not that the company did anything wrong. They just, it was the nature of the business. And I was the last, I was the last one hired. So I was the first one fired. So after four months, I was just devastated. And I was, it was depressing. You know, I was like this young 20 something year old dude who finally thought he got somewhere and and then it went away and my dad kept telling me hey you should go meet uh meet my friend he's a visual effects producer you know maybe he's got something for you i'm like dad for real like i've got a, a a portfolio like i literally have Ink on paper. Like what, like this guy makes movies? What am I gonna do? He's like, just talk to him, he's a really nice guy. And then so finally, after a couple of months of of pushing that away, you know, I needed money bad enough that I was like, okay, I'll talk to anybody at this point. And uh, so I went, I met with him, and sure enough, he's a super nice guy. He's now like to this day is a dear friend. This was you know 20 years ago. Um, but the studio that I started working for, my first job they hired me was to clean. The dust and the hairs off scanned film, right? So they would scan in the movies. This was before it was all digital, and frame by frame, I would paint out little dust and hairs. And uh, I'd oh my, my gosh. Days. <laughs>
0: I am just, so I have a photography and film background myself. Uh, mm-hmm. I only shot film once, but I like film, film, like video. Um, yeah. But then I did my photography side. I did start with film so I can, I'm just picturing myself looking frame by frame. Like I can totally picture that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, um, you know, I listened to a lot of books on tape <laughs> during that time. Wow. I guess it wasn't tape, it was digital by that point. Yeah. But you know what I mean, right? I listened to a lot of stuff and just zoned out. But the cool thing was and and you know, was these guys um, had a specialty of working on 3D films. And so I looked around, everybody's wearing these paper 3D glasses, and I put on these glasses and I'm like, "Wow, you guys do this for a living? This is amazing. This is so cool and so fun." And I I didn't know this like world existed, right? And so you know, long story short, I just took every opportunity to learn. I took, I mean, this, I dove into photography big time because that's the core of, of the image. Right. Um, and then I was taking more classes and just learning everything I could. And I grew and, like really quickly within, you know, five years, I was, uh, supervising these 3d projects. I became what's called a stereographer. Right. So it's like the photographer for a stereoscopic image. Right. Cause you have two cameras, one, You know one for each eye right and making these 3d movies and and i was doing really good and so avatar comes out right and the whole world is introduced to 3d again and him and jeffrey katzenberg are standing up on their pedestals and saying hey guys like we're helping all the theaters in the world get these these digital projectors this is the way to do it you got to go watch 3d movies right i'm like wow this is amazing this is great and so my value overnight exploded and i got hired i started getting consulting jobs And um, one of these consulting jobs led to um, a position of being global creative director. And we built this company, this post-production company from 50 people in LA to 3,500 people worldwide in 18 months. And it was LA, Vancouver, London, and Mumbai. And it was awesome. And I was... You know, being in my my position, I was flying all over the world. You know, I made I made sure it was like in my contract that I had to fly first or business, so like I get to fly fancy. And (laughs) I mean, one time I flew. um, This is like this was like one of those like really cool moments. I met like obviously was meeting. These were all like top tier movies, right? Like the 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 top of the top, right? And the filmmakers and the studios. And so they fly me out to London for a meeting, right? I was like, wow, like I'm flying to London for a meeting. How cool? And to meet. David Yates, who's the director of the Harry Potters. Right. And so I get fly to London and go out to the set and, you know, I've got a little team of people with me to bring, you know, a monitor and a computer. And we set, we set up inside this tent outside of, of their set and pitched Harry Potter in 3d. Right. And we eventually end up doing just about every Harry Potter. We even went back and did the old ones, um, but super cool. Right. And so yeah. on top of the world and, um, you know, that's kind of where I don't know if we want to pivot here, but I'm going to start going into go for it. how it like. Or should I just keep going? Okay, so
0: yeah, yeah, because that's that was my next nice question. Like, what was that <laughs> m- pivoting moment in your career? So yeah, keep going.
1: <laughs> so I, um, so I'm on top of the world, right? But something is missing, right? It gets to the point where the machine is built, right? So much of the 18 months, two years was getting this thing into place, uh, training a team of people, and it all kind of got to this point where now I'm just sitting in an office on my phone and in emails. And I'd still go to the theater multiple times a day. So in the office, with any office, right, we have our own theater. We had several, we had three theaters, actually. And they would call me in to look at stuff and give my opinion. And, and you know, supervisors from different places or different locations around the world would send stuff for me to look at, and I'd tell them about it. But for the most part, it was, it became... Be- became a bit soul sucking to be honest. And, you know, no disrespect to the company that I worked for, they weren't doing anything wrong. The people were great. The company was great, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I was, um, I realized that my opinion didn't really matter, right? It wasn't, I had, I was chasing this creative dream, this dream to be creative and to really just spend my time having fun and being creative, but nobody really cared at the end of the day. It wasn't, it was, you know, whatever the studio wanted or whatever the filmmaker wanted. And I didn't, and even like, there was a time where I put together, we were, I knew this um, for the first time we were getting to do the movie and we had full creative control over it. And I was so excited about it. And it's a big superhero movie. Awesome. Yeah. I put together this amazing plan. I took into consideration the story, right? I read the script inside and out. I was taking into consideration the viewer and the audience and I put together some, you know, I put charts together, I put together this amazing presentation uh for the studio. And then they called the studio says and they, they called and said, you know what? Never mind. Uh we're actually gonna, we're gonna we're hiring this third party to oversee the creative, and you guys are just gonna do the work, right? Oh no. And I was like, okay, but I was still optimistic at that point because I'd done all this work, so I'm gonna present it to them, right? And so they come in and you know, i so in 3D, right, you've got like, it's like story. There's like an ebb and a flow and there's high moments and low moments. And, um, so I've got this graph and I'm showing them and it's like, wow, wow, wow. I'm super excited. And then at the end of it, the guy's like, no, you know, I don't believe any of this. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to set the dial to seven and we're just going to just run it this way all the way through. So like, and I was so defeated. I was like, oh, what wow. really? This can be so amazing. And you're just not into it. Uh,
0: Oh, I just felt like this like gut wrenching like. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: So that's when I started looking for for a change, you know.
0: We were talking about this uh for a bit before the the actual recording where, you know, we're I was telling you that I was reviewing your profile and in, in, in preparation for this recording. And uh it's commenting like, "Oh, how cool. It sounds like, you know, that you're working on these really big projects." But then it's like, "Well, yes, but then" there is more to that. And, and it's, yeah. I'm glad that you share that with our audience because there's so much more to life than just having a really cool job that it could be a very cool job and you get Mm -hmm. to have so many opportunities, whether that is travel, meeting people or create, or being a part of a really big scope of project like you were. But then there's also that, you know, that purpose that's inside you that c- very well could be fulfilled by all of that or maybe say j- maybe at a certain point there's just that is not enough like there's something yeah. there's a different purpose yeah. there um so yeah and and that happens a lot especially with a lot of people who are pivoting from the traditional 9 to 5 having a very secure uh position in a in a big company for example and then Feeling that there is something empty that needs to be fulfilled, and that's where those questions start coming in, and that you you start thinking about pivoting into something different. You may or may not know what it is, but just something different.
1: Now I was going to say, I could tell you where I was where I pivoted to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah what what was that pivoting? Now that you've realized that there was something missing, what what happened?
1: Maybe it was a little bit of it was kind of this uh, moment of serendipity, right? Where at at this moment in time, where everything was, um, I was having this feeling um, the company was going to close the LA location, right where I was working, and um, because a lot of that lot of the work was leaving Los Angeles at the time. It's since come back, and it's still. It's a very global, like the, the idea of Hollywood. Like people think of Hollywood as a location, but Hollywood is more of like this, like network. Yeah. It's it's a global place that just exists everywhere. Right. But so they were going to close down LA and I happened to be um, courting my now wife. Right. I had like met a woman and I was falling in love. And so they're like, Hey, we're going to close down LA. Um, but we want you to come up to Vancouver. We'll just relocate you to Vancouver. And I turned it down and I was like, no, between not feeling, I didn't say this to them, but be- between not feeling fulfilled and then meeting this amazing person, meeting, you know, starting a relationship that I didn't even know was possible, right? Like, I mean, I didn't even think, I thought like love, like true love that you hear about was only in the movies, right? Like me, everything's just like movies, right? So, but it turns out it's real. Like, hopefully like everybody knows that, but like, this is like real thing, right? And so so I walked away. So I just walked away from this, you know, massive job. The cool factor, like we've talked about, cool factor was through the roof. Um, it paid extremely, extremely well. And, um, I just said, you know, I'm out of here. And so I had some time, right? I had some time. You just kind of, you were just kind of talking about it about, you got to figure it out. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. And so I had some time. I knew I had six months where I could just do whatever I wanted to do. I didn't have to worry about anything. Right. And so I actually really embraced the photography side of me, you know, everything I had—I had a huge photography background because film, at its core, is photography, right? And so, yes. to be able to communicate, right, and and do things, you have to understand everything about photography. And so, uh, we started taking road trips. Um, I lived by the beach. I started taking a lot of photography at the beach. You know, I had alarms going off at sunrise and sunset, and. And I'm gonna run across the street real quick. I gotta go take a picture. The clouds are out. There's clouds. There's clouds. You know, put dinner on hold. There's clouds. Right in LA, we like have really having clouds, right? So like, I get a sunset with clouds. I gotta get out there. You know, I'm looking and I could I could see the break in the clouds on the horizon. I'm like, baby, baby, the light. It's gonna come. It's gonna bounce off the water. It's gonna light up the clouds. Like I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, so I loved cool. it. I right? like you could just feel the energy. It was so awesome. But the, but then the the thing was, how am I going to make money? How am I going to actually, how am I going to replace the income that I just said goodbye to, right? And so it wasn't until somebody one day said, hey, you know, your stuff kind of reminds me of, of Peter Lick. Um, and Peter Lick, you know, is a huge like landscape photographer, um, you know, had, I had seen his galleries. I, I don't, if it was like Maui or Honolulu, I'd see, he's got a, a gallery there. He's got one in the Venetian in, in Vegas. I mean, I don't know if it's still there after everything the world just went through but um right it's like yeah. <laughs> super awesome stuff clearly extremely photo- uh, successful i think he was like getting the highest paid like prints or or I, I shouldn't even say a print but selling his photography for the highest price right like a 3 million dollar print or you know, something um, so i started looking at what he was doing and it was he clearly had his own within his business like his own print shop he was printing his own stuff he had his own framing you know, he's framing his own stuff. He had a team of people working in, on his images and whatnot. And so I was like, I need to do that. I need to, that's what I need to do. So I convinced myself that I needed to buy a printing company or a framing company. And so I started looking, looking into stuff. So I ended up buying a print and marketing business uh, that's local in the neighborhood. And it turned out to be a disaster. It was like, Most people would say this was the worst experience of their life and they're never going to own their own business ever, 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 ever again. right? And, um, but we made it out of life, but we got to the point where, um, we ran out of money, right? Like I, I knew I was buying a business that needed to be turned around, that needed to be fixed up. The owner, you know, had owned the business. He started it, had owned it for seven years and was just getting tired and lazy and wanted out. So it was on the decline. But I was like, hey, I just built this team of 3,500 people worldwide. I, I could do this. This is no big deal. The problem is, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't right. know a whole lot. Right. And so, you know, I got into this vicious cycle of trial and error. Right. And it was like, I'd run into a roadblock. I was like, okay, what's happening here? And it was like trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Got it. And then I could keep going in the boom, another roadblock, trial and error, trial and error. Right. And that that cycle continued. And you know, what I thought was gonna take six weeks to kind of clean the place up physically and, and system-wise and get it all worked out took like four months. Wow. What needed to take four months to like get the revenue generating and, and it really taking care of itself took a year, and it was really painful. We ran out of money, I ran out of places to borrow money, like the credit cards were full, but the, the bank loans were done, we borrowed money from the family. I mean, I came home one day to and found my wife crying, my newlywed wife, right? Like it was like our first year of marriage and, you know, she's crying because she doesn't know how we're going to pay the bills. Right. And I had been thinking about it and feeling the same way. We just hadn't really had that conversation of like, oh my God, you know, this, um, is for real. So that, this is for real, for real, for real. And, um, and it was bad. And, you know, we, in that particular moment, something, you know, a job came in and we figured it out and we got through it. And. But it was, I mean, we're talking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch every day. I wasn't going to Starbucks anymore. We weren't going out to eat. It was painful. It was really, really painful. But you know, I came across podcasts and, and eventually coaching and masterminds. And I started learning from other people on how to, you know, what I needed to do, not like mindset wise, system systems-wise, and they filled in the gaps professionally in that business knowledge that I didn't have because I was a creative. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I knew all that inside and out from the teams and I could sell creative stuff, but I didn't know the business side. And so that then helped. And so it took about 18 months, but we turned that thing around and got it to the point where it was 80% passive. Cause the whole idea was it was supposed to support my photography business. Right. right. And like, photography was out the window. Like I hadn't shot a picture in like, you know, a year. It was bad. It was bad. Um, but, it, but, you know, I, I said it, you know, most people would say this was the worst experience of their lives. I think for us, you know, we made it out alive. We learned so much from it. And I think we're, we're on a, on a much better trajectory because of that, right? Because of that experience and, you know, failure is not a bad thing, right? You just, as long as you learn from it and, and you keep going, you'll be all right.
0: By now you've heard that video is a key tool to help connect, grow, and scale your business. If you're unsure of where to start, you'll want to check out Video Marketing for Creators. In this course, you'll learn the technical side of how to produce professional-looking videos with minimal gear, while learning how to put together a plan and a strategy that will help you share your message and give you the confidence you need to show up on video and press record. Visit focusandbloomstudioscom video to get started. That's focusandbloomstudios.com/learnvideo. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, a lot of people feel very afraid of of starting a business because of that fear of failure and well while there is a, a true fact that we don't know what we don't know and we don't know what's going to happen if it's going to work out or not because you know it there's so many many variables but knowing deep down that hey this is what I should be doing then that there should give you that courage to check it out, try it, see what works out, what doesn't work out. And if it doesn't quite work out, that is a learning experience, but you have to be open to knowing or identifying these learning moments so that when you do the next thing, then you can apply what you've learned and then feel more, even more confident as you move forward. Mm -hmm. So What are some of the lessons that you learned during that process that you feel were instrumental in and now building a what you currently have a successful uh, coaching business?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, coming out of that and we kind of we hit on some of the the key points. I mean, number one, right, is you have to model success, right? You have to learn from others, right? Um, That's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. This is what you're here for, right? Like you help people and their business, right? And their photography business, right? And and that helps fill in those knowledge gaps, right? That we know, right? I just saying, trial and error killed us, right? Had I not found somebody when I did, we could be having a, we might not even be talking, right? Like we would right, be right. talking to each other, <laughs> um, but luckily I did. And, and so, and it's not that you have to find somebody that is like, you know, leaps and bounds and light years away from you. They just need to be farther down the path than you so that they can say, hey, watch out, you're going to have to leap over this creek and step on this rock. And you're not going to have to figure out how to get across this ridge because they've done it and say, so here it is. Here's how you do it. And it might not be like exactly how they did it, but they're going to give you enough information to reduce that time that, that trial and error time, right? Because that trial and error, is going to suck up your time and your money. And you can get money again, but you cannot get your time back, right? That's just, we can't get it. It's gone. That's so right? true. Right. And I, so I think modeling success is, is huge. And then the other one that I didn't know, and this was a big part and I didn't understand why like my, my bosses and my CEOs and and owners of the past were making certain decisions, but you have to understand your market. You have to know your market. Right. Remember I said, my opinion didn't matter. And that like crushed me. Now my opinion doesn't matter is like at the core of what I do. Right. So when we help people, it's it, my opinion. Doesn't matter. My what I'm doing doesn't matter. It's like what are our clients and our customers? What matters to them, right? And that's how we then we we are doing things in service of them, right? And so, how do we know where are they hanging out? Where is the market? Like a market's a place. Where are they? What are they used to seeing? How are people talking to them? What are the offers, right? How do we structure our offers and our communications based on what they're used to hearing and seeing? Even if it's different to us, we still got to start with what they're used to, right? And then we build this bridge to like our land of opportunity, right? And so it's like, you got to model success, you got to know your market, but none of that matters if you don't take action and move, right? And so you got to go, you got to take imperfect action too, right? Like don't wait for it to be perfect. You got to go, just go, 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 go. and, uh, And you'll be all right. Right. Like I said, like that was, if, had I not bought that business, I, like I said, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Yeah. But I decided to learn how to swim by jumping into the deep end, which I do not recommend anybody learn how to swim that way. Um, <laughs> it worked out for me with business though. <laughs> bad, bad move. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, No. <laughs> Oh, I like that you mentioned take imperfect action, because a lot of people feel that it has to be perfect. And no, it does not have to be perfect. Just take action. Start. You have to start somewhere. If you don't start, you won't know what works and what doesn't
1: work. And in fact, you don't actually truly learn until you do it right? You can study all you want. You can read all the books. You can get all the coaching and all the advice and all the expert stuff. But until you actually take action, you're not actually learning anything, right? That's where it all comes together. That's where the aha moments come into play. You're like, oh, I get it. This is what needs to be, and I need to do this, and I do that. And and you learn from it because, again, it's about your market, right? So you have to get that feedback. Until you start interacting, you're not going to get the feedback.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I, and you mentioned earlier model success, and and modeling success could be in a variety of ways. Like could be a mentor, could be a coach, could be if you're very much starting fresh out of college, it could be maybe an internship or something like that, mm-hmm. where you're learning from somebody and you are taking that experience and applying into what you want to build. Uh, so there's many ways that we can do that. But I think that's really helpful to, because you you are seeing that other person that. Is a couple steps farther than where you are currently at and then you can then you know see what's going on what's happening and then define whatever it is that you want to build and yeah. know your market yeah. for sure i mean you, gotta, you have to you, you know just it. have to period <laughs> absolutely i really have enjoyed this conversation and i think that it's very important to be mindful that there are so many opportunities to be creative and share our gifts and talents and to make an impact in life and however that might be, could be working for a, being a part of a big project like you were, or maybe turning your skills and your gift into helping others, being able, um, helping them be successful and do what they love. And um, you mentioned the business side, like that at one point you weren't, you didn't, you were missing that business component.
1: Mm-hmm. And that actually
0: tends to happen a lot with, with a lot of artists. Like we, in school, we get, how many so many classes on how to draw how to paint how to photograph mm-hmm. this and it's the the technical the practical of the of the craft but then the business side is like crickets you barely mm-hmm. you barely uh learn about that in, in school at least in my case i i in any of my stu- my studies i only took one business class and that was at the very end of my mm-hmm. school years and it's like so important so um, if if you want to Take your creative skills and talent and and make a living out of it. It is important to understand the market. understand the business side of the, of things because it's what's going to help you you know build that successful business and 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 create a life that you feel that fulfills you absolutely now that you are a business coach and you're helping other creatives what are can you share? What are some of your business favorite apps or, or tools that you use? Let's say two or three of your favorite that you use every day to get your business going and working for you.
1: So for me, you know, there's, and, and we talk about creatives, right? We talk about creatives aren't good at business, right? And we're not good at business because we don't want to do business. We want to be creative, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to embrace it. So for me, what I've found the biggest tool, and it's not, it's not an app. It's not a piece of software. It's a team. And you have to work with people, right? And have people on your team and get people to do those things that either you don't want to do, you're not good at, it's not being creative. How do you protect your creative time? We have a team, right? And say, oh, well, Jeremy, that's easy for you to say. Well, you could just hire a team. I said, yeah, but you know, I have two amazing VAs. I have two amazing virtual assistants that work for me in the Philippines and they get paid, paid really well for where they live and it's a service, it's a provided, and provided. And so, it's I'm not paying a huge amount of money to a big salary to somebody in California. Not that I don't hire people in California, but there is a way to do something and you have to have a team. And there's certain things that you can do that you can hand off. You have to delegate and you have to get them to do things for you. And so figuring out how to do that, I've hired family members, right? And I've hired, I hire people just, I go onto like different sites, like, um, like 99 designs or, And, you know, different things like, like this logo, I don't know, like this logo on my shirt right now, I reached out and I found somebody And some, I didn't care where they worked in the world, but I needed a logo designed, right? So I went online and I paid somebody to do it. Could I have done it in my creative? Absolutely. Would it have taken too long? Absolutely. The thing is, I would have cared way too much if I was doing it on the fonts and this, and I'm in Photoshop and Illustrator. And like three days later, I got this logo. (laughs) I hire somebody and they send me these things. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Right. Yes. Um, so that one, so team, the second one out, that is an app that I love that I can't live without. And I use every single day is loom. Are you familiar with loom?
0: Uh, it's the name familiar. I don't, yeah, so, but I don't use it, but the name is familiar.
1: Yeah. Loom. What loom is, is it allows you to screen record.
0: Oh right? yeah so yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I know which one it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it records your screen or a p- part of your screen or like a window and it has a little a little circle in the corner with your face on it and so this allows me to communicate with my team so like my VAs they send me social media stuff that they're working on or um, you know, the outreach and different things and they show me it and then instead of me having to type up this email and be really like specific and pick, pick my words, I just click on Loom and say, hey, check this out. This is awesome. I love this. Don't do this. Let's move this. I like this. Like just fix this right here. Boom. Let's go to the next one. Boom, boom, boom. And in like three minutes, I've looked at like 10 different images or I've gotten some point across or sometimes I just flick it on and just talk instead of like typing. I just want to talk. I don't want to type, right? I'm a much better talker and it comes out faster and it's done. And the beauty of loom is that it's just a link, right? So I'm not sourcing, nobody's sourcing the file and the file size and I just fire a link off to them. And we're in messenger, like another app, like I use messenger, like with the team constantly. And and they get that and they watch it. I get an email that says they watch it. They can comment on it. They fire looms back at me and so loom,
0: Boom! Oh, I, love boom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. For some reason, I totally forgot the the name of it, but I use it. I've been using it for a while, and it's really great. It's really such a great tool, especially when you're uh, like if you're training somebody or if you're gonna hire a new like a VA or anything like that. That's such mm-hmm. a huge, such a helpful tool for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love it. Even I'll do it when I send out big like like contracts or bids. If I'm sending some kind of, and especially now with COVID, I'm not. I might be in person or do something. I'd go over paperwork. I will send a document and I'll bring the document over my screen and I'll go through the fine points. And so it allows me to also kind of con, con, continue the the sales part of it of like delivering my offer on paper, right? Because this is something I need them to sign, so I don't want them to miss something. Um, but it also is just like this level of communication that's really helpful, right? Um, and I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more real yeah, quick. Yeah,
0: yeah, go for it. it. Is, uh,
1: Calendly. Calendly, uh, right? It's a calendar app that just allows people to book time with you. And you can have different categories. But the beautiful thing, it's not so much about people can book with you and they can, you can answer questions, but it links to my calendar. And on my calendar, I can block out my time. This is my creative time this is my time. You can't touch it. Right. But this is the time where I want to talk to people. And then, so you just feed everybody to that. And then now you're organizing your time. And and more importantly, you're protecting your time, right? Because that's your your time can just evaporate. Right. And again, we said this earlier, you can't get your time back, right? It's the most, it's the most valuable thing we have. And so how do we, how do we protect it as much as possible? So I like that one.
0: Jeremy, I really like what you're sharing, these tips and the tools that you're using tool uh too as well. Uh one of them was the the whole idea of outsourcing. That is such an important thing because Yes, you could have done that logo, but how much time could you have spent doing the logo versus taking part of that time and doing something else that's moving your business forward? So that's important. And, and it's, you know, if you can't hire it right now, think about your pricing that I know this is a mindset talk as well. Um, but definitely just you want when you're starting a business or pivoting a business or restructuring your business, you want to think of optimizing your time as the, the founder the creator of that business so that you can have the business working for you not the other way around
1: exactly i love it
0: jeremy this was such a great interview thank you so very much for taking your time but before we leave can you let us know how can people connect with you on social
1: media sure um you can find me instagram uh the golden octopillar uh is is, is um uh, that there's dashes there's underscores in between the golden octopillar an octopillar in case anybody's wondering octopillar is uh the the word the one word my wife and i didn't correct our oldest son when he started mispronouncing and because like i love octopus we have like little octopus stuffed animals and, like it's around and we were reading the very hungry caterpillar and so every time he saw an octopus he said octopillar and it was like oh, oh my god that's so cute like don't correct him i mean he'll just learn over time and um <laughs> Yeah. He's 87, still says Octopillar. Now, um, but, uh, so I'm like, I'm buying that domain. I bought it. And then it was when I needed to officially, I needed a business entity. I'm like, I'm going to use it. But I just spiced it up a little bit with golden. So, uh, and then also on Facebook, the golden Octopillar. Um, and then also um, I've got a Facebook group, uh, Create and Live Free for you know, creatives that want to just dive more into this. It's just to keep the conversation going and to support each other.
0: Awesome. Jeremy, thank you so very much. And everybody tuning in, you can check out today's show notes at focusandbloomstudios.com slash show notes. I'll be sharing all these links and you can take a look at uh, what we've talked today and Jeremy's really great tips on helping you build a business and and living that creative life. Jeremy, once again, thank you so very much. And everybody, thank you so very much for tuning in on today's episode. I will see you on the next one. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the focus and bloom podcast if you like what you heard don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and while you're there go ahead and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform your feedback means the world and it helps others discover the show and if you want to get your hands on more video podcasting resources head on over to focus studios.com and check out our tools and resources for video podcasters and content creators just like you i'll see you on the next episode